I'm over here now. Pardon the interruption, no need for introduction. It's the drunken monk. Turn this shit up a little something. I'm bucking, up in smoke, sipping Bacardi till I'm giving my car keys to Jimmy Ferrari. And we out, about to go jump in a mosh pit full of hundreds of hot chicks saying something obnoxious like, I gotta put my foot in your ass permit. When I'm done, I'll cook you in a Brooklyn blast furnace. We're recording. My man, Bobby Bain, Bobby Mahoney. How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> this is uh, Is Brooklyn Blast Furnace Podcast, the Isolation Sessions, Volume 15, but Volume 5 of the Bane series, the final in the five-part Bane series, which is fucking insane to me. Bane, Bane has heard the final word so many times. <laughs> I don't like that word when it comes to talking with you guys. I've been, yeah, I've been going through like, it sounds really cheesy, but I've been getting like emotional talking with a few of you guys about certain things. And I'm sure we're going to get into that eventually. All right, all right. Thanks for having me on, Jimmy. Nah, man. Thank you for the opportunity. And like we were just saying before I press record, like, it's awesome that, you know, it's it's kind of making chicken salad, chicken shit, I guess, because, you know, the world went crazy with the coronavirus thing. And when would I be able to get all five of the final lineup of Bane together in a row to do something like this? So, you know, like I've said in previous episodes, like I thank Zach for actually putting it in motion and just coming up with the idea and all you guys being down is really fucking cool. You know, Zach's, and, Zach's always been good at being a ringleader for some things, man. <laughs> Zach's a funny guy, man. I <laughs> Zach's a great guy, man. So, yeah, so he was the one that came up with the opportunity, and here we are. I'm wrapping it up with you. And um, shit, man, I don't even know. You want to just go back? Like, first of all, where, where are you now? Are you in Boston? So, yeah, I live, I live in Massachusetts. I'm about 45 minutes south of Boston. All okay. right. Uh, you know, any any Massachusetts people that'll tune into this, uh, just south of Brockton, around the Taunton area. Um, I've been here for four years. Uh, bought a nice little house uh, right as the, the band was ending, and that was all kind of my uh, master plan as we were coming towards an end, was to, to get a solid and stable and, um, you know, see what's up for the for the second half of life and um okay here we how, are how far are you uh, <laughs> how, how far are you from i asked uh bedard this also because he's in somerville how far are you from brookline brookline about 45 minutes or so oh, okay yeah, i mean it's, yeah you know brookline is the outskirt of uh, of truce in city boston um, right so you know Map wise, forty five minutes. I can okay. do it these days in about forty forty minutes with no traffic. But, right. Um, yeah, that's the only other. Know, that's the only spot that I'm really familiar with. I used to go there in like the early early to mid nineties often, but other than that, I was in worst of once, and that was on June. What was it? Eighteenth, two thousand sixteen. Two thousand sixteen. Yeah. Twenty. No. Twenty. Yeah. Twenty sixteen. Two thousand sixteen. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> Yeah, fucking crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, I um, I grew up south of Boston all my, you know, most of my life, just just about all my life. Um, 
So the area is very familiar. And, you know, when I left this area briefly, I, um, I didn't really think I'd be back to this yeah. area. And then it just found, it kind of just found me, you know, the house that I was looking for and, and yeah. within budget with all, uh, it's home, it's home. Like, like I, I'm it's in Brooklyn, home. right? I'm in Brooklyn right now, but I haven't lived in. I mean, there was I've moved all over the place. Like, I did a, like a stint down in Florida to get the winter up here. Let's go out of Florida. Yeah. I lasted a year down there. You know what I mean? I was in the service, so that doesn't count as far as yeah. traveling and stuff. But I lived in Jersey. I lived over here. I always find myself back in Brooklyn. It's it's just home. It's changed from obviously from when I was a crazy teenager and in my early twenties, but it's still home regardless. I don't know. Of course. No, it's familiarity. Yeah. I mean, as I, uh, each year I grow older, man, it's familiarity is, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I don't need to be be taking big chances anymore. (laughs) I don't, I don't blame you, man. You have, you have kids. I do. Of course. Well, there you go. That, that's that. That's the game changer right there. I do as well. I have a little girl, so it's like, you know, it's 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 not about me. That's, that, that's what we're doing this for now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like every move that I make, I think, of course, it's, she's in the back of my head. Of course, it's 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 not about me anymore. You know. Yeah, absolutely. You know. So now. He, so my, when my son's here now, he keeps poking his head out. He might make a uh, tell him to say what's up. I don't care. <laughs> tell him what's up. We're hanging out. I'm in your backyard right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> yeah, man. So like, so you grew up obviously around over there. Like, what was? I, I always like to ask this. Like, what was like? Did you, did you come from like um? like an upbringing where it was like a lot of music was playing in your house and stuff like that. Like were your parents, like, so I know me, like I come from, there was always music in the house and it kind of, so I don't know why, but that's what always just, just I've just always been into music because I've been surrounded by it my whole, you know, my whole life. Yeah, so. I, I, absolutely, man. Um, my, uh, my stepfather, uh, Tom, he actually was a singer in a wedding band. That's awesome. And he, yeah, he did that till late nineties or so, um, and yeah, I used to go to his what he called band jobs. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, you know, through uh, you know through my younger, early teenage, even early teenage years, I would still be going there, still asked to get up and play Mustang Sally or something with the band, just I- to get up and I like, play with them. And, but yeah, even going back into early childhood, he always had records spinning. Yeah. Um, everything. I mean, if, if I think back to the first band that resonated to me is Chicago. You know, okay. That, how's that for like the softest of some soft shit? But listen, I got one for you too, because one of the first, you can't even say it's a band that resonated with me that I remember for some weird reason, was fucking Neil Diamond, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Neil Diamond was on in the house. It was like a duet that he did with, like, Barbara Streisand, You Don't Bring Me Flowers yeah. Anymore. Like, I remember that. Like, yeah. that's going back. Like, I grew up with all of that stuff, man. All that classic. And I still like sure. that stuff. I don't care. Hardcore this. I don't care. I'll put on a Neil Diamond record right now. Without Absolutely. Pushing. Absolutely. I don't yeah, care. Yeah, but it's like, but, but that... 
that band just kind of like if there's a memory of that early childhood and being like oh like this band is played a lot and i see the record and like that that's the band and um yeah you know and then being a wedding singer he's covering all everything all sorts of things so i was introduced to an, an array of things yeah but yeah so but just on like now actually the, like the playing part of it too um you know i i did saxophone and like trumpet or whatever like early elementary years but yeah. i was like I, I need to hit something like, i need to bang on something like this is this is cool so that led me to being like all right let me get on that let me hit that drum and then naturally i had rhythm so i was like okay so just kind of keep doing that and then again i remember maybe 10 years old or so um you know i got up with my stepfather's band and just kind of hit symbols of his drummer like while he's playing and i'm like all right you know like and they're like yeah he's got it he's got that yeah, it came naturally to you. I've got, I've got, the got rhythm, you know? I've gotten behind a drum kit and I'm a spaz, bro. I can't. <laughs> so I always, I always respected that. Like I always listen to drums. I'm like, 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 cause I can't do that. I don't have that rhythm, that timing at all. So I listen. Yeah. I'm just like, damn, man. Like it's awesome. Like I always dug drums, even though probably because I'm terrible at it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can't do it. So, um. So yeah, so that was um that was definitely early childhood. You know, my my um my father was very into the rocks of the Queen, the Zeppelin, I mean all, all that kind of like typical stuff and but he doesn't have a musical bone in his body. He just knew what that good music was. Right. And you know, yeah, like I kind of heard that, but the the actual uh, growing up in musical influence too, I give it all to my my uh, my stepfather Tom. Yeah. So now, what what did you like? What was your introduction? I guess you could say. I mean, everyone you usually people have like that one kid in high school, that skater kid that has like that mixtape, and he gives it to you, mm-hmm. and next thing you know, like you find like the Sex Pistols or something like that, yeah, and yeah. everyone always remembers that. Like, what was your introduction into the? shit show of the world of hardcore music all right so so <laughs> the, the story goes so as we go in it i guess we're in middle school at this point um and it was so this is my it goes hair metal yeah. oh yeah <laughs> like, Fuck yeah no it was it was all hair metal and then i knew of the heavier thrash stuff yeah. but it was too heavy in like I don't know, and just whatever, uh, whatever is in my brain or accept it, whatever it may be. But okay. hair metal was hair, hair metal is what made me go. Now I really want to be in a band. Okay, <laughs> listen, I get it. Listen, I listen, I listen. Like I listen to a lot of that stuff because I have a sister that's six years older than me. So okay. you know, it was like you know the mid eighties, late eighties, and that's yeah. all that was prevalent. Yeah, of course you would have to. Start, there was no internet or anything like that. So. So right. if you weren't in the loop with like the punk scene or the hardcore scene, you just kind of didn't know. Like you're just looking at MTV, and what's on MTV is like fucking LA Guns and Fast and Pussycat. Right. I know that's all right. that stuff. I mean, the, the list goes on. So that so that's where I'm like, okay, so I like it. But then, gangster rap took over. 
Love it. <laughs> Gangster I lo- love it. Over. I'm stereotypical, that suburban kid that bought it all, listening to the Walkman in the back of mom's car going, they're swearing every other word. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is, this is crazy. This is, this is raw. This is, um, this is edge. Like, yeah. Shouldn't be listening to this kind of shit. And so from there, then it became, as I got into, you know, now we're, we're talking 12, 13 years old. And I, like, I'm, I'm all into that. And then it was meeting up with skateboarder kids and meeting up with a ki- uh, a friend of mine whose older brother was big on that Hollywood LA scene that was more on, you know, it was still the eighties glam type thing, but there was more raw coming out of it, but it was, Oh, wait a minute. Like you don't know about suicidal tendencies. Oof. You don't know about, you know, just, just crazy heavy. I mean, even, even Metallica being introduced to me sure. during that hair metal phase was still like, oh, I don't know, that, that's really fast and, you know, crazy. But come after, coming out of that, like, gangster rap fad, you know, yeah, it was, oh, no, that's the edge. Like, that's the stuff that, oh, I guess, that, that's what I want to hear. That's what oh. gets me going. Yeah. So, to furthermore from that, so now we're, we're like, we want to, I want to be in band. And that the same friend, um, I was like, let's just start a band with your older brother because he knows music. Of course. And we start this shit in just the basement of the houses and living rooms, wherever we were playing. God awful, Jimmy. I mean, the worst of worst. Bobby, you have have to tell me what was the name of that band. (laughs) Well, we probably had six. That's (laughs) the one that popped out. We would change Anesthesia. Awesome. (laughs) Was the first one. (laughs) <laughs> um, then we went to, I think it was just like Halo or something like that. Like, okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. So then it, now I'm going to shift this story because now we get into high school and we start meeting people and meeting people, just older, you know, older kids in school. And I meet this guy named Brendan who, through this story, you'll find out. And if you don't already know who he is, you will know who he is. I know. I personally, but maybe the people that are listening slash watching don't. So So I'm going to pretend like I don't. So I meet this guy and a couple of his buddies, and they're like, yeah, we got a band. And I was like, oh. And then, a matter of fact, this kid has a band. So now I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I got like rock stars in my high school <laughs> type shit, you know, like, like I'm fresh. I'm a freshman. Yeah. Yeah. I got rock stars in my high school and I'm, I joined the high school band, school band and a dr- fellow drummer goes, yeah, I'm the drummer in Brendan's band. We need a singer. And I was like, Oh, like, what are you trying to do? Oh, like thrash and you know, like this. And I'm like, I, I could sing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Why don't you come over and, you know, give it a shot? Okay. So go to Brendan's house. And I don't even know what song we played, whatever. And I'm just hollering into a mic. God awful. All right. But they t- we take this, like, break. And 
I go to the kid. I was like, hey, you mind if I sit on the drums? And he was like, no, go ahead. So I sit on the drums and Brendan stays on his guitar and we start jamming and we kind of just look at each other like, that that was cool. That that sounded pretty cool. Uh, Matt, if you ever listen to this, I'm sorry. But a week later, they kicked Matt out. I became the drummer of this band. And I was like, well, wait a minute. My buddy, you know, my my, best friend at the time, he can yell into a mic. Why don't I do it? So we bring him over and we start this band. This band's name, it's called Blood. Awesome. (laughs) Blood. (laughs) Our first show is at 7.50 a.m. at our high school for Brendan's, like, drama class or whatever. Whatever the hell he was doing. (laughs) So check this out. So we play this thing. We play for 20 minutes or whatever. In this auditorium, the most chunky chunk chunk, trying to be tough and thrash, all in the same. At eight o'clock in the morning. At eight o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Great. (laughs) So we're done, and this kid, his name's Ed Ed Lally, and he sung in this band called Malevolence at the time, a local thrash band. That's what they were called. And he comes up and goes, No, that was pretty good. And we were like, oh, thanks, man. And meanwhile, they're playing. They have an upcoming show where we're going to. And we're all like, I'm like losing my shit. I'm going, I'm going to like a, a nightclub in town to go see this band. They're huge. They're the biggest band in the world. Well, he says to us, he goes, you know, I got this mad ball vibe from you guys. And we were like, mad ball. Okay. Let me rewind just a little bit. Sick of it all was already on the radar. Like blood, sweat, and no tears was already. Well, I didn't, we didn't know if it was hardcore thrash, you know, like whatever. But we knew that the label was New York hardcore, so. But it, it didn't resonate, you know. And then he says, "Yeah, you're gonna sound like this Mabel." At that time, I think dropping many suckers is the only thing that's like. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Maybe ball so, of destruction. Ball of destruction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um so we we immediately were like, oh, we gotta we gotta find a mad ball tape. We gotta find a mad ball tape. If we sound like mad ball, we gotta find a mad ball. So there's a local record store and we go and and from there, like that really opened up now this hardcore because it's New York hardcore. I mean, right. I, I, I'll, I will never right. stray away to say it. it's New York hardcore. Like, it's true. It's like, true. Got it um, <laughs> so, yeah, and it's just, uh, and, and you know what? Like, in Ball again, was, it is not by any means our, like, lifestyle in a sense. Right. Uh, uh, but the mindset of being, like, that edge, that raw, that that energy, like, yeah. And then forget about the time that, you know, you go see Sick with All for the first time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In, in the early 90s. Yeah, yeah. And you go, ah, okay. That's, oh, without a doubt. And especially like, especially a band like Sick of It All. That's what we're looking for. Yeah. Especially a band like Sick of It All, who I've seen them countless times. They're personally my favorite band. Um, I've seen them in front of 50 kids and I've seen them in front of thousands and it doesn't matter. It's the same amount of energy. It's ridiculous. I seen them back in the early nineties. I saw them a few months ago 
at, with Agnostic Front in this little, small, little spot in Manhattan, and it was incredible. Always, Absolutely. never disappointing. And, you, and yeah, and it's like, like you were saying, it's like you don't necessarily have to live that lifestyle, but something about it speaks to you. You know, it's like, I, I don't remember, I think it was Bedard I was talking to. It's like Youth of Today. It's like you first year Youth of Today. I was never a quote unquote straight edge person. I mean, I don't drink or get high or anything anymore, but mm-hmm. I still, like, I have my little stupid little little bouncy little vape nonsense but but um like I'm, even, not, I'm not promoting it but oh look at that we're, we're like the fucking same <laughs> you're gonna edit this part out <laughs> no nothing's getting edited okay we're pulling skeletons out of the closet and all that I don't give a shit. but um yeah it's like it's like i heard like you the today and I I got it from like that one kid who put every single record on like one cassette tape on both sides and you know, I'd be drinking beers and listening to fucking break down the walls or something, but mm. I didn't live that lifestyle, but I appreciate it. And it spoke to me and they're still one of my favorite bands ever, you know? Yeah, so I don't necessarily live that lifestyle. I don't knock it, but I don't live that, but it's something, something about his, his anger and, and like the, it's lack of a better word, like the purity of the things that he's screaming about. It came from the heart. Like you, you hear that sure. and I appreciated that. So it spoke to me on that level. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And you know, you know what? So here's my here's my sum up with parkour too. Like, lyrical content is not as forefront to me in hardcore as it kind of cliche is. You know, it's always about mess. You know, like, you know, you hear, oh, that band's got a great message. That band's delivering this. Yeah, I can appreciate that, but it's the whole package to me. It's that whole song. It's that it's that deliverance. It's the it's the deliverance of what they're saying that catches me um or that grabs me hardcore in high school when when it was you know introduced to me and i really started believing in it and wanting to be a part of it was it's more of that defiant mindset of yeah i'm not gonna just do what you're doing i'm not gonna go into the woods and drink i'm gonna go to the woods and drink after a show Sure. <laughs> you know, but like it wasn't just simply like, oh yeah, it's just kind of like the the norm of what to do. It was something that was so separate from what the quote normal were doing. Sure. And and yeah, and then just the, the energy of it all is just what just captured me. Oh yeah. I say, yeah, this same is, here. It's this like, is yeah, it's like you'll hear something on your cassette, like your Walkman. You know, back in, like, e- even when there was, like, the Discman, kids don't even realize, like, the struggle, bro. It's like, but back yeah. then, you your CDs and batteries because the shit wouldn't last and it's a big oh. thing. But, like, when you hear something and then you go see them live, it's a completely different thing. It's like, it's like, this is, like, the fifth time I'm telling it, but it doesn't matter because, obviously, five guys in Bane, but... Like the first time I heard, the first I've heard of you guys, I, and I admit I I got into you guys a little bit late, and for some weird reason I don't even know why, but um, I heard the the sick of it all cover that you guys did for the compilation, the sick of it all record. I'm like, ah, oh, that's a great cover of We Stand Alone and blah, blah blah. And then I saw you guys live for the first time, I like halfway through you guys' career, which I, it's like embarrassing to say. But when you guys opened up also for Sick of It All at the Gramercy Theater in 2009, and that was the first time I saw you yeah. guys. And that was the first time I saw you guys live. That's and a special from, show to me, yeah. Bro, that was yeah. fucking amazing. And that's when I looked and I'm like, yo, like 
it was completely different. Like, obviously, like I'm saying, like you, you hear something, oh, that's great. But then the live experience just makes it that much better. And, and I, I'll say this again, and people are probably sick of hearing it from me for five weeks in a row, but it's, there was something about Bane and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass or anything. Like you could ask anybody, expect girl, anybody. It's like, there was like, I got into all this stuff really young, like early, early nineties was like my shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's all of like the classic bands, you know, there's the agnostic fronts and the sick of it alls and the chrome eggs. And for me, leeway and stuff like that. And, and there's there's a small group of bands, and then there's kind of like everybody else for the most part. And once I saw you guys live that first time, there was only maybe if I said maybe two or three times at the very most that I missed you guys live. It's a lot since then until your final show. Whenever you guys played Jersey or New York or anywhere around, I was always there from that show on. So quickly. Like I'm, I listen to the same 50, 60 hardcore records still to this day, but Absolutely. you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah. all right, I'll listen to a song from somebody. All right. Yeah, I heard that a million times. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you guys quickly became one of those bands that were not even necessarily in that big pile because I really wasn't too familiar yet, but you guys went from somewhere in the middle to right into that smaller group. And you're like one of my favorite bands. That's why I'm saying like, and, and that's rare because me, it's, we're talking 2009. I was already in right, that yeah. fucking 20 right. something years. Right. So for that to stick out is, it, was, it spoke to me on, on a different level than all the other bands. So I just wanted to. I appreciate that. And I know we appreciate that, man. That's, yeah, that's man. Nice. So, yeah. So sorry yeah, for everybody. That's, listening. that's, sorry that's for everybody listening. all show. Yeah, that's the good all show. Um, special to me because it's the first time I brought my daughter to New York City. That's all, and you know, her first time ever to New York City. That's awesome. And, and I actually made the flyer for that show. Yeah, yeah. And it was and we and I was worried because we didn't really know what, what the Gramercy Theater was all about. Oh, it was great. I mean, it's you know, it's theater, like, all right, so it's, it seems like a cool place to but it was in a good area. I got to walk around. We got good food. I mean, it oh, was like, yeah. that, yeah. that was a, uh, yeah, and the show was, and the show was amazing. The show <laughs> was great. Yeah. And the only, and, and the, the first thing that popped out was like, I wasn't familiar with all of your material yet or anything, but as soon as you guys came on, it's like Aaron, like Bedard was like, fuck this stage shit because there was a barricade. He was like off the stage, like right in with everybody. I'm like, this is fucking beautiful. Like, this is great. He's not standing up there. He's like right down in with the people and like, beautiful. (laughs) Great, man. Yeah, so like I said, from that point on, like, you you got me, bro. You got me. Yeah. And now we're here. Thank you. Yeah, it's very, it's very weird. It's very weird. It's very cool, but it's very weird because I told Bedard this too. It's like, yo, I'm not going to fucking pretend. Like, I'm a fucking fan. That's why I do these things with bands and whether it's a, you know, I've had rappers on, I've had graffiti writers Mm -hmm. on, I've had actors on, like anyone that like, I'm a fan of what they do or whatever and they have a story to tell, like I'm down to bullshit. So Mm -hmm. like I said, in order for me to get all five of you guys on at this weird time, it's like four years, almost five, June will be five years since that final Mm -hmm. show and the documentary, there's noise about the documentary possibly soon and all that. So it's a very weird, it's, yeah, man. 
So yeah, let's let's rewind the tape real quick. I want to ask you yeah. about how how like before reach the sky and maybe after Halo. <laughs> oh, Halo and many in between. <laughs> <laughs> was there was there any bands like that that you released like any kind of demos or released anything uh, high or yes. anything that you could want to talk about? Yes, yeah, so, you know it, it's crazy how from a freshman to a sophomore in high school, you feel like you live three lives sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Without a doubt. Natural growing progression. Um, so, yeah, so the, uh, the, 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 the halo, the blood, I mean, it's just like, you know, we, we don't even have means of getting equipment or decent equipment. Right? Right. I mean, any of this stuff. So, you know, now it's like, all right, at 15 years old, it's not getting these, jobs you know just to save up to 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 buy a decent drum to buy a decent amp um but now back to uh, brendan and i will keep talking about him he was he's a couple years older than me so he got his license a couple years before me so now he's junior in high school and we're like all right now we have means of transportation that's huge yeah like we can we can and again we're not even we're not even talking about leaving the state yet. Right. <laughs> you know? yeah. just, holy shit, we can we could go play Worcester, which is forty five minutes away from where you know where we live. That's huge. Like that's right. Um, so we met up with a. Um, I, I don't even know. I wouldn't even say met up. It was like an ad. I don't even know. We had these local zines, um, and just somebody put an ad being like couple brother, a couple guys looking to start hardcore bands, you know, call this number, inquire with them. So we did, and we met up with some, we met up with two brothers, two, um, two straight edge kids. And met them, and right off the jump, they're just earth crisis, like earth crisis, earth crisis. That's all yeah. that, you know, and, and we're like, yeah, okay, cool. Like, whatever, right. we're mad, I'm, I'm mad ball, mad ball. Like, exactly. All right, but, but we, can, we, can, we can figure this out. Yeah. So they were big into jujitsu, and okay. it's like, all right, what are we gonna name this band? I don't know. I don't know. And one of them goes, "Let's just name it Black Belt." And we were like, yeah, "Okay, that's a good name. I like that. That's it, it, that's hard, bro." <laughs> so we, I mean, again, like without trying to spend too much time on visioning fonts and t-shirt i mean none of that shit it's just like oh yeah that, that that's cool you know you guys you guys are big into jujitsu and in 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 mma so like that works yeah that's cool. black belt cool. um so now that actually leads to recording a demo and we put out a ep and it's it's all local jimmy i mean it's um there had to have been at now at this time, there's got to be 20 bands that we're aware of just within 20 mile radius. Yeah. Um, and one of the guys started a record label and he was like, you know, we'll put it out on that and we'll do compilations all the time. And that's really how that stood off. And Black Belt, I got to say, is what kind of really started this all. And Black Belt consisted of Brendan, myself, um, two brothers, Scott and Steve, and a, a bass player, Scott. Is there anything and recorded out there that people can listen or no? 
I don't know if it's uh, publicly out there, but I mean, it exists. I have I have CDs still. So, nice. like, it exists. Um, locally, they'll they'll probably be more of a yeah, I know, and I've heard, you know, or I still own maybe. <laughs> but uh, maybe yeah, maybe so, somebody who's listening who's who knows about it. Well, you know, like maybe upload it to like upload something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Please do. That's awesome. Um, so so that goes on. Now that's pretty much ninety five, ninety four, ninety five. Um, and ninety six rolls around. I Brendan's already out of high school. I graduate high school, and uh, I go off just to Rhode Island. I don't go far. Um, to do a two-year stint at school. And that actually put a strain on the band. And more so on a, on a personal living sense. Like, I'm kind of just, hey, I'm in college. I'm living up, like, that life. And, and uh, I was very, I was very uh, active going to all the shows in Providence. Like, we would play, but then it was kind of like, oh, you know, he's, he's drinking a lot. Oh, you know, he's there. That's what you did. That's what you did. Yeah. But now back to when we first met, you know, we're sitting there kicking a hacky sack and they're talking about earth crisis, earth crisis, earth crisis. Straight right. edge, straight edge, straight edge. And I'm like, yeah, cool. Yeah, great. <laughs> I love, I love earth crisis. So I, you know, I learned to, I learned to love all of that, you know, but it was, those are those introductions coming to me, you know, yeah. as I'm as I'm recalling and taking it all in. And um, so the uh, the sad story of Black Belt is I come to a practice one day and it's like I walk in and I can already tell shit's somber, and it was like, yeah, you know, we don't really want to do a band with people that are partying and drinking, and we want to be a straight edge band. I'm already packing up the drums as they're, as they're <laughs> telling me that shit. I'm like, it's not going to happen. Right. Um, and, uh, and Brendan was still there because he, he did just some like community school. So he never really left home. And again, but like I, I go, Jesus, I was just, again, everything's 45 minutes from where right. I grew up. You know, Seems from to Boston. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, I'm not like so far out of the state, so far removed that I can't still be in this band. You know? Right. Do this band. But little did I know is Ian, Ian Larrabee had a band called Reach the Sky. He started this band. Um, and he was already kind of in Brendan's ear about like, hey, like play guitar, play guitar in this band, play guitar in this band. What was that? Probably about ninety-eight-ish. That's ninety-seven. That's gonna be like ninety-seven. Okay. Yeah, just went. Yeah, just ninety-seven. Because I I joined. Reach this. I'll get to that. All um, right. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not uh, rushing. So it. No, so so he, so Ian was was already in Brennan's ear about doing this, and again, Brennan was very. He he was he was involved. I mean, like he he wanted to. He was he would book show. He would book shows you know, BFW shows, I mean, like, anything. So he's really involved, and Ian was even more involved. So I, I kind of knew that they would, you know, as that I learned this story that they're in each other's ears, or Ian's in his ear, they would gravitate to each other naturally because they both kind of workhorses and, and, and passionate about being a hardcore band. 
yeah. you know, and what you got to do to do it. So black belt ends. I'm in school. There's no band for me. I'm dude. I'm playing drums with college dudes. I mean, doing whatever, like no show. It's just, just jamming. Yeah. Sit around, drink, drinking, smoke, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I get a call from Brendan saying, we need a drummer. And I was like, yeah, I want to do it, but I really just got to finish two years of this school. I, I just got to do it, you know? Yeah. And he was like, all right, well, I was like, I'll join, but I can't commit to the things that they were talking about already doing, doing some small tours and, uh, and these big week, long weekends. I was like, I can't do that. So Brendan calls me back like the next two days. Nah, we're moving on. And I was like, you got to move on. I was like, if you're in a gym, if you, if you need a, if you need a drummer in 1998, when I'm done with, <laughs> give me a call. And I never left that radar. You know, I mean, yeah. Brendan and I just now we're, you know, we're, we're friends for life. I just never left the radar. And as soon as I, Graduated college two weeks later. I was in the Reach the Sky band doing, you know, a, a long weekend out to Chicago and back because we were stupid like that. We did some, we did some silly, uh, long weekend stuff. No, but you, you guys, I mean, for a while, I mean, for a couple mm. of years, you guys were fucking busy, no? Busy. Really Very busy. busy. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that, that's, that was the goal. I mean, you, you know, I don't know. Yeah. You want to make, as a hardcore band, you want to make, you want to make decent music? Of course. You want to, you want to go though. Yeah. Like you just want to see if you're going to get lucky enough that people accept you, that people want to see you and go like, and now again, we go, we kind of break down age gaps, you know, Ian's the oldest in the band. So he's already like, we, I got to go. Like this is now we're, we're going to go. Uh, so it all fell into place once I joined the band, because it's funny if you ever, if you would talk to Ian or maybe Brennan about this, they would say that like Roots of Sky wasn't really a full band until I joined because it was a revolving door of drummers yeah. just to, and, and it was grew. It was, it, it was kind of grueling because again, we would do a weekend where it would be Buffalo, Cleveland, Chicago, play Syracuse on the way home. And then you're home on <laughs> Monday yeah. morning or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not for, that's not for the every, everyday no. guy no know? without a doubt um, so it was uh you know they had this revolving door and like once i once i joined and we were all like all right like let's go because yeah. there's no you know then it's, it's so weird how we live in the times we're living now and you're like jesus oh, like it is tomorrow promised but then you're like tomorrow's not promised we're right. going you know yeah, i will drive to California and back in a week if I, you know. whatever it takes, man. Fuck yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, you, yeah, you, so were, just, you were on the first EP now, open roads and broken dreams. We, I wasn't, no, that's, so that's not something I recorded that actually originates. It was like demo. And then they did that on, um, on a label out of Connecticut. It was like East, label, East, think, East coast records or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then they, that, that was it. I don't think there was anything recorded after that until we did our EP Everybody's history here. record. Yes, thank you. Yeah, You're yeah, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, but that, and that came out on Victory. 
That was that was a victory deal. Yeah. 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 And then the same mm-hmm. year, you put out the so far from home, so far from home EP. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I think um I think that, you know, so Brian McTurnan, who recorded that stuff, he was living in Boston at the time. And uh so the EP was something that was just like, all right, well, Brian's got this space here, like, you know, we gotta go record with him. And I'm sure there was something to do with whatever contract there was from Victory that we needed to fulfill. And like, all right, so we, you want us to do like four records? Well, no, you're gonna get an EP, right. and then we're gonna put the same songs on the record, <laughs> and then we're gonna do, and then we're gonna do a live one. Like, I think uh, there's, something, there's something out of New York, the CMJ Festival or something like that. It was. Okay. We we got like. <laughs> Victory put it out. It's, I mean, it's shut down. Reach the sky. I think Scarhead's up on there, yeah. and we only and it's live recording. But we were like, "Here you go, Victory. That's a record. It is. <laughs> yeah, is like, it not a record? Of course, it's a record. <laughs> it's a record. There's some great um, live hardcore records. Like, listen to live CBGBs. <laughs> That's a fucking yeah. record. Well, yeah, that that's a totally different thing. I don't think this is a great record by any means, but listen, it's a record submitted, that you can fulfill your contract with. We submitted it, yeah, as a, as a record, right? <laughs> of course. Um, and so, then yeah, guys, so it, God, sorry. No, I, I mean it's um. So the the open roads and broken dreams, that um, it's weird. There's only a couple songs off that EP that kind of stayed with the band like everything else was was kind of lost after that um yeah and i wish i could name the uh the drummer that did it it was either nick mike or (laughs) somebody there was so many i'm telling you that band had probably 15 drummers in in a year span Oh boy! None of them were official members, but they—they they just. I need a drummer. We need a drummer. We need a drummer. We need a drummer. Yeah, yeah. You guys did a you did a split with Buried Alive. Buried Alive, yeah, yeah. Great. Shout out to um, Scott Vogel. Scott Vogel's one of my favorite people. Big shout out to Scott Vogel. Um, yeah. Black Belt actually came across. So Black Belt. I'm going to rewind now. Black Belt does an East Coast tour. Um, summer of 96 97 and we're supposed to play a date on the hate breed despair tour that year and the show gets canceled before it even happens um but we we end up getting in touch someone doing a house show despair didn't play it correct me if i'm wrong despair despair definitely doesn't play it but i'm pretty sure scott bogle is there Okay. To watch the house show. Okay. And that's when my first interaction with Scott Vogel. And from from then on, it was, yeah, so that's the despair days and then, and then into Buried Alive. Once again, it became kind of that victory circle of bands. Yeah. Um, But, you know, there was just a, uh, the the camaraderie of just guys that are kids now, you know, but guys that are just, let's just go, we'll drive anywhere, we'll do whatever, we'll play whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's what we found with uh, with the Buried Alive Boys. And, and um, yeah, it just, we never stopped, though. I mean, once we got into 2000, 2001, we said we were not going to, we were not going to dismiss any tour, opportunity, you know, offer, opportunity. Yeah. You know, unless it obviously overlaps something that we're already doing. 
Sure. We're saying yes, 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 yes. We don't care who it's with, where it is, you know, we're, we're going to do it. And yeah. I can tell you, man, there's a lot of those tours, those Reach the Sky tours, me coming home, getting dropped off, wherever, a girlfriend's house, a parent's house, you know, whatever it may be. And, and being like, what the fuck do I do now? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like you're being at you know, war and then you come I, home and it's yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that, you know, for sure. But that, you know, that feeling of just being like, what do I do? You know, and so all it would be was, okay, when am I going to tour again? Like, when are we going? When are we leaving? It was, it was, it was a wild time. And and you know, this this story stays true for most of the, our our peers and bands. Ever, we weren't making dick money. You know, we weren't. I mean, we we never made much money doing this anyway, but. Right. We were making next to nothing money, and it was like, whatever, just yeah, it's whatever. Get me on the road, is <laughs> going. Yeah, you got you have you have stories and fucking memories and fucking yeah. Uh, you know, it's your stories for days, dude. I mean, you toured the fucking world. I mean, I mean, all right. So before we get into that kind of shit, and before we start diving into Bane, because there's, there's obviously a few questions that I need to ask you, but we'll get to that mm-hmm. in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, all right, so after the split with Buried Alive, you guys put out something else on Victory, which is one of the greatest names for a record ever, Friends Lies in the End of the World. Which is great. And then, what do you, do you, re, do you re-release Open roads, Open right? roads. Death yeah. Wish. Yeah. And then you went back to Victory for Transient Hearts. Transient Hearts, yeah. Right. And then that was in like 02 or 03? 02. That, that's 02. And then after that, what was like the basically what ended Reach the Sky? <clears throat> um, hmm. I think it was just frustration of each other. Uh, we were around each other so much. It was, it was tension. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't dramatic and, you know, where, well, we fought a lot, but it wasn't like, <laughs> you know, this big blowout of where it's going to end. I think, um, I think by that point, after doing two, three years of so much touring, you go, okay, we just did what we, our goal was. We went, we got to Europe, we got to Japan. Like we went, like we said we were going to go. A lot of bands don't make it that far, man. Yeah. A lot of bands don't. And and I, I kind of, you know, I, I know I'm fortunate every day for that. And absolutely. And, um, but we get to that, that point where it was like, all right, we can't keep being on the road for eight out of the 12 months. Right. It's just, it's not good physically, mentally for like, again, you know, that, that frustrations within each other. Um, And it was time. I think we all kind of accepted this fate that it was time to just, we did it. Like we got to move on now. And, let's go get jobs and you know, <laughs> like, well, or like real, like stay, you know, we, had, we always had jobs, but let's go get these real like stable jobs. And 
Yeah, it was way too early for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. you think? Um, you know, it was, and it was way, it was way too early for Brendan. And you know, Ian, Ian even realized that it was way too early for him because he went out. He did, he did a small project after that just because he still needed. He had that fire uh, burning to to go into a mic, and yeah. So I don't, I don't know if it was, it was just really, it wasn't just one thing. You know, I mean, it was just, it was just a combination of everything. We always, you know, our van. I mean, how, how's this for a, you know, a repetitive story that you've heard? Dude, we always had problems with the van. We oh. were dropping so much money in the goddamn vans. It was like, well, all we're doing is just keep, keeping the mechanic in business. <laughs> You're playing to like, yeah, dude. <laughs> it's fucking, it's true. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and it's just, um, and, and we and we went hard, man. Reach the sky went hard, yes, sir. Awesome. So yeah, I think that 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 came to uh to that to the ending of that. And and I was fortunate enough again. It wasn't a dramatic big blowout. Fuck you. We're out of here. We're over. Right. We said, hey, we're gonna end it this time, and we're gonna go do a two week tour, and we're gonna end it at Worcester Palladium <laughs> in February of two thousand three. Jesus Christ. He did a couple of reunion shows. He did a couple of things back, you know, he did a couple of things. We did. Yeah, yeah. we did. Yeah. 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 We still, and we it, actually, we still, well, not today, but, you know, we've been asked recently to do some things and yeah. we just respectfully say, you know, it's, you know, it's not for us this time. Okay. All right. So now let's get into the murky water. <laughs> oh, God. Um, this, the, the, you know, Several times I'm talking to you guys, and when I get to this part, it's like, oh god, because I already know where it's ending. Um, all right, so h- how did how did you slip your way into Bane? What was that process uh, like? Yeah, so it it wasn't even it wasn't even that big of a process. It was it was actually pretty natural, um, other than the fact that you know I thought I kind of took that acceptance when Reach the Sky was over that I was like, oh, you know, I'm. I'm done. I mean, I'm still going to be, a, you know, I'm still a hardcore kid, but, you know, I'm going to go get this job and be the, the normal working guy, you know, the rest of my life. Matt Pike, uh, I'm going to give him much credit to, to this as deserved. So Matt Pike uh, is the booking agent for both Bane Reach the Sky. Uh, his company was the Kenmore Agency at this time. And Reach the Sky ends. Faithfully, Nick of Bane comes to his last straw. He's he's like, I'm done. I'm out. Got to go. Um, had enough. Right. And Bane's actually on the road when that happens. Story as told is Bane gets home and goes, what are we going to do? And they almost kind of accepted fate that they were done. Because it was just, you know, going on without Nick isn't really the vibe that Bane was putting on. I don't know where internally in the camp, you know, I don't know who said, no, we're not done. But Matt Pike gives me this call and says, you know, I think Bane is going to keep going and is going to want to drum you had any interest in doing it? And I was like, yeah, man, like I was already a fan. I already knew I was a fan of the band. 
Yeah. And I knew the guys enough. I didn't know them really deep personally. Reach the Sky, Bane played many shows, did small tours together. So I knew them enough. And it was like, yeah, man, like, I'm not ready to be this working guy guy or whatever yeah whatever maybe right um so i'm like yeah i'll do it and i think there was a little bit of you know kind of them may probably weighing out other options or so on and so forth but i get a call aaron dahlbeck calls me and says yeah man like so we're you know we collectively said that we'd like for you to come and try out and I was like, okay, like, that's cool. Give me a list of songs you want to do. Right. And he gives me a list of songs. Yeah, I probably already air drummed two out of <laughs> right. five that he gave me, front to back, driving all across the country to reach the sky. So I'm like, yeah, I know it. Yeah, I know it. <laughs> and um, yeah, I go out, I meet Dahlbeck at his apartment at that time. And um, we kind of just like shoot shit a little bit. And they oh already they're like oh we got this tour we want to do in like September you know and this has got to be July you know at, at this and I was like all right well like let's go you know we go to the practice space and it was again knowing everybody there was no awkward in hey man right. what's going on how you been what's you're already comfortable yeah and it was like. <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's bang these songs out. And I think we went through all five songs. Maybe had to do like another one a couple times just to tweak it. Yeah. And I le- I left that practice space going, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, like I'm good. And I, I can't tell you how long it took, but the next call was Dahlbeck and he was like, you're in. Let's go. Right. In September of 03, we did... It was the promise and the suicide file was the tour. And that was like, that's kind of like the next challenge, so to say, was, okay, we, we can play together. You know, we can hang out in a room and go out and have a burrito or something together. Can we get in a van together? Right. For a month. Right. And, and coexist. And we did. It was, there, there was like no, there was no beat missing. Yeah, Didn't skip yeah. a beat. And you, I mean, basically, at that point, what record was out at that point? Uh, uh, give blood, just give, give blood was was out. Okay, so so you, Which, you guys would be. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, it just we were, I'm riding on the high coattail you know, of of give blood. I'm like, yeah, I'm joining a band that that fucking record's amazing, and and people lose their fucking mind over this band. I, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Here I am. I got lucky again. I'm fortunate, and let's go. And and you're basically, I mean, at that point, I mean, you're 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 basically touring the world at that point, no? I mean, you're all over the place. Uh, so Bane has done a couple European tours by that point, um, and then yeah, right when I joined, it was it was a U.S. tour, and then I think we did, I think we kept it all um, within the states the first few tours, and they weren't like long, full-on tours. It was, um, you know, two weeks here, two weeks there. Sure. And I want to say, Jesus, now my memory is really foggy because. I mean, there's been a lot, man. I mean, you were in the band, you were in the band, what, 17 years or some shit? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. A long fucking time. <laughs> especially such an active band that doesn't stop. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm sure. So, but then that that next thing was, all right, we're, we're playing shows. It's still, Give Blood came out in 01 or 02. So now we're into One, okay. 03, 04. Yeah, 03, 04. And, okay, if this is the new chapter of Bane, well, I don't think, we never ever had pressure on ourselves to write a record. All right. Yeah, that was the, that was the general consensus that that equal vision was just cool. Yeah, there was, it, it, even and then internally within the camp, we were like, we don't want to write a record. Let's just go on tour. I don't, I don't want to take time and write stuff. Let's right. just go tour. Let's tour. Let's tour. But understanding that it was a new chapter of the band, um, we had to write some songs. And, and I mean, musicians as growing musicians, you want to you want to create. Yeah, you want to create. I mean, it, it wasn't that we were so against doing it. We were just fucking lazy. Like, okay. We were just like, I don't want to fight. Who wants to go sit in a fucking practice space and write something? Right. I just want to go and fucking fucking have fun. Go, Yeah, go have fun. <laughs> yeah, listen, I, I respect so, that. I get it. So, so that's what I mean. There was never, we never had pressure on ourselves to to write music, to write records. And, yeah. Well, then and, you, know, got, you guys got into the studio and you wrote the note. We wrote the note. So the note, personally for me, I think is good songwriting. I think they're good songs. Um, I think the record on the right headphones, the right speakers sounds amazing. On the wrong headphones, wrong speakers doesn't. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. And, and I think per, uh, back to, per, I'm very nervous about that record because of the success of give blood right you know i don't know if the guys feel the same way on that i'm sure they i'm sure they put it on in somewhere on their mind but me playing drums at the new drummer of the band following give blood like there's that i didn't like that pressure i didn't like it you know (laughs) but I, I rose up to it, and there's some things that if I, you know, I listen to those, some stuff now, I'd be like, fuck, I wish I did some things different, but, you know, it's still, it's, it's, it, it was accepted, and that was... It's a great record, dude. It, yeah, it was accepted, again, it, it, internally. Bane was always an internal, like, if we like it, and we're good with it, fuck. that's it. Like, we're good. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And, um, but then, yeah, so... People do say, good record, good record, good record. And then I went, you know what? I don't ever need the top Give Blood. Give Blood is on its own pedestal, man. Like, that, that, yeah. that's that got a crown, and, and that's okay, and that's a great record, and good for, for bands. I mean, as me, somebody, obviously, who's not in a band or anything, like, it's a toss-up. Like, it could be, it all depends on the day. You know what I mean? It could be Give Blood. It could be The Note. It could be it could be fucking Don't Wait Up because it's a fucking another incredible fucking record. You know, it it could it could be if I'm feeling that it, it could be fucking holding this big, ball, demo yeah. shit. It could be you know yeah. it, it could you know it could be fucking it all comes down to this. Like it's for me it's 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 just a juggling act. It depends on my mood. I mean, they're all great records, yeah. and I'm not just saying that. I mean, I listen to all of them still. So, I don't know. You did something. You did something right there, Bobby. <laughs> you did. So, yeah. I mean, so I, I don't feel like back to that, that OG question because, you know, we'll, we'll do this all night. We'll ramble on a thousand different ways. But 
and the, the process of joining Bain and it was not tedious, was not hard, was not, it was, it was as natural, like, I think as anybody would want, you know, in meshing as a band right. you know, together. All right. So now we could jump a little bit ahead. Obviously. I mean, it was pretty, it's pretty much known at this point that there was discussion before the writing process around the bout of don't wait up that this was going to be it. Right. I think that discussion started during the note. <laughs> yeah, that's a first. All right. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. All right. I mean, you know, there, there were, there was, there was a lot of discussions of never wanting to just overstay our welcome, you know, in, in, in a sense of, <sighs> Yeah, I, maybe maybe that sounds too selfish. You know, it's the uh, it's just yeah, not I mean, a true as, statement. <laughs> yeah, you know, as we as we were growing older and people got married and like kid, I mean, all that kind of stuff, and you're just like, well, again, like we don't want to just be this. We don't want to just be this part-time band. Like that wasn't that wasn't in the in the DNA at the time. In retrospect, I, I think we would have been fine if we were that part-time band. But um, no regrets on those decisions that we made. We were just we weren't going to be a part-time band, you know. So it was it was all or nothing, all or nothing. But then we, you know, it, it's kind of lulls in, in, in things with even the scene. You know, the scene in general, up and down. Once Don't Wait Up, we, when we decided to write that, it was, it was after a pretty tough stretch. Um, and tough stretch meaning, again, it was being away from family. I mean, I, you know, I'm per- personalized relationships. I'm, I'm divorced, you know, like, do I think the band had everything to do with it? No, but it had a lot to do with it. Right. You know, um, but then I, I'm not like bitter about it because I, I also, I kind of joke about this being like, well, when I met my ex-wife, I was in the fucking band. Right. So it wasn't like. <laughs> it wasn't like you were yeah. spraying surprises on anybody. Yeah, it wasn't like, you told, hey, guess what? <laughs> this is what right. we're doing. Um, but, it, but it took that, it took a strain on it for sure. and then. Yes, and then kids came in, in into play of not being away for so long all the time. But we still had that DNA of we're not going to be a part-time band. Right. We're not going to be a part-time band. It's all or nothing. It's all right. or nothing. So it got to, you know, when, when we decided to do the Don't Wait Up, it was this is all or nothing. And then there will be nothing after. Right. Don't wait up at some at some point, you know. Then there wasn't a hard date by any means. But. Right. Now, a quick question. Kind of, well, just about that record on the cover. Is that an actual photograph of a neighborhood? That is a drawing. It is a drawing. I don't know. I, I don't drawing, know if that drawing or like a Photoshop. Yeah, I don't know if that comes from a a scene of okay. uh, Dan McCarthy is the artist. So. Okay, McCarthy. Um, I just wasn't curious. I was curious about that. So now, I mean, good. So, all right. Well, 
you guys announce a final tour, several different legs of the tour. It goes on about two years, right? You go to Southeast <laughs> Asia, Europe, a couple of times ripping through the States. Um, then it comes down. I'm not going to say the entire story again, but long story short, the last New York show at Webster Hall you played got cut short for me because I literally almost broke my back at that show. Um, and I had to leave, Jimmy. but yeah, Jesus, yeah. Jimmy. <laughs> yeah I, went a, I was going a little crazy and it was nobody's fault. It's just what happens at a show. Um, it was pretty bad, but I told this story four times already. Um, and I just made a vow to myself that for some reason there was like a month long period where there was that show. And then the final that Saturday at the Worcester Palladium. And I didn't go to any shows and took about two weeks or so for my back to get back to normal. And I was like, all right. And I had to redeem myself and I made it to that show. And I got up on the stage and I sang the fucking end of Ali Frazier, which is my personal favorite song. And I got up there and I was, I redeemed myself, but it, but it was a personal goal. But um, for you, what was that, like that break in between that final New York show and there was, you guys had like a little bit of a break, no, before those two last nights. Yeah. Yeah. What was, what was playing over in your head about that? Oh man. Um, I don't know what, if, if so much was playing, it was, it was a definitely down time for me and coming to those terms of this this next this time next year i'm not doing this i am uh, i'm not we're not it was it was anxiety it was looking at a calendar going jesus i used to know what i could do six months from now right yeah i don't know i don't know what i'm really gonna be doing six months from now <laughs> <All right. laughs> um but i i really had a I, I had a game plan. I mean, it, you know, it's, I, I'm, I was fortunate enough to, you know, I work, uh, so I manage a restaurant now. I mean, that's why, why that's why Bedard said we'd be talking about chicken farms. It's a, it's a local Italian chain restaurant up there, but I've been working for them part-time for 10 plus years. I've, in I've, eat, I've eaten at one of those locations way back uh, in yeah. the early nineties in Brookline. Okay. Yes. Yes. There was one in Brookline. Um, so in working with them, I, in that time too, was like, Hey, like after June 18th, like I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to, to be manager for your company. And they were like, like, we, what have you been waiting for? <laughs> you know? And I was like, yeah, for this moment, that's what I've been waiting for. Right. You know? And, and, um, so it was kind of, it was just, I guess still just preparing for it all. But it, it was a downtime in that sense of like, damn, like I'm really anxious about like in six months. To, I, oh, wait, minute, hold on. I might have Wednesday off on a Saturday. <laughs> yeah, right. that, that's right. That's what my, my life might be like. Right. And it was, but I, it was still an unknown to me at that point. And, um, but yeah, I mean, with the kids too, the kids growing it, like, those those last few tours were long tours, you know. Yeah. Like we were gone for a long time, and I'll tell you, like as the kids grew older, it was 
it, it, it was, you know, everybody said, oh, nobody wants to be away from their kids when they're younger because you want to watch them grow. Well, yeah, like I didn't miss them growing by any means, but it was, it was easier right. being on the road during their toddler years. And, you know, and, you know, because now they're aware, you know, and it's more of like a, geez, dad, you're like, yeah. really a six week tour day, you know, and that's like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I get it. Um, so now that final night. Hold, hold, hold on, Jimmy. Let me tell you something too. That oh, final okay. tour and that time and that time in between. I was also on kind of like a like a a party mode, so to say. You know, it was it was celebration. You know, I I I, I went into this never as yeah, man. Like I could be vulnerable and show you my very sad and 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 somber thoughts about not being in a band anymore or or the band ending at that time. But I said, you know what? Fuck no. Like we did cool ass shit, made cool ass music. We were cool ass people, a band together. I'm celebrating this. I'm celebrating. I'm celebrating. That's a great mindset to have, man. Yeah. And and that's, that's kind of what I just carried all through that tour in between and up until the last show. What we had fucking parties, man. <laughs> oh, I'm sure, dude. Yeah, like, yeah, like I, I mean, I, I saw you guys at the the final, this hardcore, which was insane. Yeah, that was so much fun, you know. And then you know, and I made it to that to that final show at the Palladium. So, what was when you were when you sat down behind that kit that last time, man? How was that like, man? I'm sure it was. I'm sure you have to remember it. Yeah, I remember it. And you know what was overwhelming was just how many goddamn people are on that stage. You know, like... packed, dude. Yeah, I mean, like, normally you look around and you you, you see the people you know and the friends you have, family, whatever. But it was just person, person, person. person. And and that that was my first, like, whoa. (laughs) Like... This yeah. is a there was show. like a hundred people on that stage. Yeah, this is so alone. <laughs> yeah. Dude, there was like a hundred people on that stage. <laughs> Crazy. Um, but ultimately then just immediately going to like my left and right and seeing my kids, my parents, you know, and my, my family, brothers and sisters, you know, that, that was like, all right, you know, I got this, uh, you know, and then, and then looking over in Zach's corner and seeing his family and in, in his corner, look Dalbeck's family in his corner, James's girl, you know, uh, Bedard's friends from, you know, from ever, forever. Like yeah. people that have been with us from the get go were all there. And then never mind looking out and seeing people that have been around for a long time. Right yeah. There's like close to 3,000 people in that fucking. Yeah, it was um, it, it it was perfect for us. You know, we <laughs> we always knew it would it would kind of end at that that venue too. Yeah, you know, as much as we really didn't want it to, but we knew it was gonna end there, and, and it was perfect. It was perfect for that show. Was well, fucking incredible. I, I said it to I said it to every one of the every one of the guys I already spoke to. It was top three shows I've ever been to ever. It was. It reminded me of old school, like because it was so packed. It was, it was shoulder to shoulder. Like I was standing right before you guys came on. I was standing, kind of in the back of the dance floor, 
And then there was no excuse me, excuse me, pushing your way through. Like you guys first came on and like, there wasn't even a chord struck yet. And I jumped up and I'm, I was climbing people from the back to get to the yeah. front. Like, every, we, we like I looked that. over and there's like 50 people all around me climbing on heads, getting towards the front. That's how packed it was. And it was like, it reminds me of like, the Ritz in 1992 with like the Stormtroopers at Death Show. Like it was crazy yeah. like that. And um, yeah, you guys played for like two hours, which was incredible. Yeah, but Don might have talked for an hour, but. He did, but listen, listen, he had things <laughs> no, 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 no. He had things okay. All for it, man. That gives me more time to hang out. <laughs> yeah. Got to catch a breather. Yeah. Yeah. So now, yeah. I, I, of course, I mean, I've asked everybody, and it's the actual question that I will all ask all of you guys, and I think you know what the elephant in the room question is. Uh, not going to happen. Anytime. I hate that answer. <laughs> <laughs> you sunk, Bobby Bane. <laughs> Uh, all right, let, 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 all right. Let, let me let me let me let me just let me let me paint the picture. Let me like wrap it up like nice and pretty, and then present it a different way. If and it's a big capital I F. The other four guys were all in, and they just needed you. Would you do it? Yes, you would. I don't know, Dan. You have like a weird shitty and grin on your face, Bobby. <laughs> I don't know what to think about that. <laughs> yes, I, I say that yeah, absolutely. If that's all four guys, that, if all four guys were in, you'd be in. That's how Bane rolled. It was okay. never. It was always a collective decision. Okay. Okay. Always collective. And if and if and if that vote was all four and I wasn't, scrap it. Right. Scrap. We're not, uh, move on. Right, well, that makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> I can't I'm being wait selfish. To Listen, I I'm being selfish over here. I am. Where Bedard can't help wait to see what everybody else says. I can't wait to see what everybody else says. Oh, forget! I'm not letting nobody know nothing until you guys got to hear it yourselves. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Um, so, well, fuck! I was going to say, um, there was. I mean, maybe like who? Who? I don't even remember who said it. I think it was. I think it was James who said it. I believe Badad touched on it too. It's like maybe like a one-off if it was something that it wasn't about the band. If it was something bigger than the band, like a benefit show for a friend or something like that. Maybe. Maybe. That's but and, and also and like I get it. Like the other guys that you know, I completely respect and understand everybody's point of view. You know, you have your career, you have your kids who's married. I, 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 I understand all of that. And I also understand the whole fact of you guys, I think Bedard said it best. He, was, he said it's like, it wasn't just the monetary thing that you guys were, were ending this. Like, like it's not, people came from all over the world and, and it was more of the emotion of this is the final everything. It's the last thing. So that's what everybody, you know, was the emotion about it. And in order to, and if, if you were to just reunite and then start doing shows again, it would kind of quote unquote, like cheapen that. And I, and I completely understand that. Mm -hmm. I agree with that, but I will be a selfish asshole right now. 
and saying that if I fucking heard that there was, you know, you guys are back in any capacity, I'll take that and throw it right back here and be right in the middle with a shit-eating grin on my face, you know? Because there's also that whole thing where, you know, some people, of course, you're going to have the stupid idiots to shit. Oh, I knew it wasn't going to be fun. No, yeah, that's right. an internet nonsense. But then again, the flip side of that is how many thousands of kids around the world wouldn't give a shit about what happened then. Now they have the opportunity again to see their quote unquote favorite band again. And that's the shit that I'm focusing on. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we, we were again to that testament of being like we didn't we didn't break up all you know both guns blazing all guns blazing it wasn't this fucking like just big blowout big dramatics no like we and we were again lucky fortunate fortunate enough to be able to do that world tour final thing and write the write the story like that last chapter and there was no, there was, it was just the way we wanted to do it. Even though we may have not have really wanted to do it either. <laughs> like I'll touch on that because there were, there were options for alternatives. Yeah. But again, I know. <laughs> again, it's the, that collective you know, bargaining agreement, <laughs> whatever we're going to call it, where it was right. like, no, it, once we all get on the same page or something, that's what it is somebody's still if somebody's feeling this way against it then we're not going to do it that way we're not going to do it this way right um collectively we all said yeah like that that's the way to do if it's if we're going to do it that's this is the way to do it. right you know and and we did it so and that that final show was a, it was it was a beautiful ending i mean that show and just everything is even though I hated to see you guys and I hated that that was the quote unquote final show. And of course a lot of people did, but the way that ended was, it was fucking beautiful. I mean, it was perfect. It was, it was a good fucking day. I wish it, I wish I had about four more hours onto the day, you know, just to be able to touch base and talk to everybody I want to do. But yeah, it was a good fucking day, man. Dude, this was awesome. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, how long? Did you, you know, <laughs> hour and a half of me and you fucking yucking it up. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's good. Like, it's like this, um, the sun was shining behind you. The sun's going down over there now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, coming into this, I was like, man, I haven't talked about Bane in depth in years. Listen, I people I meet right now have no fucking have no clue I was even in a band. Right. You know, they think I've been restaurant manager for the past twenty five years. Right. Little did they know. Yeah, no, and then, and then it's just like as you get to know, like as I meet newer people, there, you know, and you're like, I what I love the best about the experiences I've had through hardcore band life, music life, is you can't bullshit me. No. <laughs> like you're not going to be able to no. <laughs> to 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 tell me that this is the way things are, or that's the way it is, or oh, I you know I've been here and I know like listen, man, I don't I don't know it all by any means, but I know that I've been around the fucking world a few times, yeah. and people that I've met and people that I highly respect from all walks of life, like. In hardcore, there wasn't 
yeah, I mean, there, there was some bullshitters out there, but for the most part, it's just yeah. no bullshit and just straight up. And yeah, man, yeah. I, I can't believe, I can't believe the state of the world we're in right now. <laughs> it's, it's fucking surreal. I, you know, I feel so much for my musician friends during this time. Oh, like, bro, it's fucking, tor- it's got to be torture. I can't, I can't believe it. I just, because you don't know, especially being hardcore bands and, and you know, when are you going to have a true hardcore show? <laughs> like, never mind a show. When right. are you going to be able to have, is there ever going to be a true hardcore show? I think eventually, I don't know when that's going to be. Eventually, yeah, but honestly, I don't think it's going to be for a fucking while, man. I I feel for... It's crazy. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I know. You're not even going to see me anymore. Listen. Hey, listen. (laughs) Listen, this was fucking great, dude. I appreciate it. But I do have to ask you, I've asked everybody so far to end... Because this goes up raw, just like this, onto YouTube, and I and I put it up on the Facebook group page. But then I also I'll, I'll put up the audio version where everyone listens to their podcast, sure. and I put like my intro, and then I'll end. And I've asked everybody so far to end with a Bane song. So unless you duplicate a song, you'll have to pick another one. But you gotta you gotta end this with a Bane song, dude. Uh, bias, n- non-negotiable. Hey, okay. Why are you biased? <laughs> How does that song start, Jimmy? <laughs> uh, yeah, with two drums. <laughs> now I get it. I'm no, stupid. It, it, it's a good song. It, it's a great it's a song. Good song. We wrote, we wrote that song. You know, a few years before "Don't Wait Up," and um, you know, I, I think that song hits hits everybody in the band a little differently. But yet, you know, yeah. still with that that ending chant of never knowing a bliss like this. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, man. Awesome. Awesome. Well thanks for the thanks for the opportunity. Nah, thanks <laughs> for being so cool and being able to set this up so easily. And 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 listen, you all all you guys have been fucking awesome and you're all super nice guys and I appreciate it. I appreciate the band. I appreciate and and listen. I spoke with Aaron Bedard, and I believe I haven't listened back yet, but he said he's like, you know, you know, it's not that hard. You know, once once the world goes back to normal to get together, maybe you know a few of you guys will wind up coming and we'll meet somewhere. Maybe you guys want to take a little road trip to Brooklyn. I'll bring you like to L and B, Spumoni Garden, some nice little you know, pizza. We'll mm-hmm. eat a bunch of pizza mm-hmm. or do something, and maybe I'll be the seed that fucking starts fucking getting you guys back together. <laughs> I'll come to Brooklyn eat pizza with you anytime, Jimmy. <laughs> awesome. Bobby, thank you so much, my man. I appreciate your time. And we'll definitely be in touch. I'll let you know when this is going up and all that. Yeah, man. And best of luck doing all these things, man. You got a good thing going. Hey, listen, I have fun. I don't make no money. I'll stay, I sit here stay, and I bullshit. You stay engaged, dude. That's, that's what it is. You know? That's it. Dude. All right, man. Much respect. Thank you. Take it easy. Later, dude.